some point these fat cells in the belly become active and they secrete all of their own hormones and we don't really realize that um, it's kind of like a tumor in a way that all it wants to do is get fatter as fast as possible so it's like this thing in there i just want people to understand that the weight gain isn't your fault it has nothing to do with you it's not a lack of willpower or poor discipline it's all hormonally driven by this thing that just wants to grow and is creating this hormonal pool in your body that just helps to support weight gain. Hey Thrivers, welcome back to Thrive with Sharon podcast. My name is Sharon Land. I am your host. I am also a holistic psychotherapist as well as a metaphysician. And part of my passion is to help to bring really incredible people in front of you so that you can hear all of the different ways that we get to heal. And today I have Dr. Ashley Lucas, who I met in Dallas in September, I think it was, right? Mm -hmm. And super, super impressed with um, what she's doing and how she's going about providing services for people. Um, It's an incredible business model, but also um, a great way to be able to serve. So I'm just going to quickly, uh, do a quick little introduction of Dr. Ashley, and then we're going to get started in the conversation. So Dr. Ashley Lucas is the founder of PhD weight loss, and she holds a PhD in sports nutrition and chronic disease, and is also a registered dietitian. Um, She came to the field of nutrition and weight management with a unique background as a previously um, acclaimed professional ballet dancer, and her career actually was met with a lot of injury, and that as a result um, created an early retirement or a retirement from that particular career and um, helped to open up and birth a whole new Uh, interest in things like nutrition and to see how that actually played into her ability to perform. Um, So she now has more than 15 years of research and clinical practice and developed um, this science-based approach through PhD um, that has really revolutionized and really has, I love following Ashley's page um, just because she's, she helps to debunk a lot of the kind of the old wives tales that have been passed down from generation to generation about, you know, why somebody might be holding on to weight or um, why we might be in a certain kind of physical presentation. So um, she also is the number one Amazon bestselling author with her book, which is five steps to reset the scale. Um, I cannot wait to dig into this conversation. Dr. Ashley, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the, welcome to the show and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited and honored to be here and have this conversation with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, so I I just want to first, before we dig into some of the depths of all of the knowledge that you have, um, tell me more about um, what you noticed in the correlation between nutrition and performance for yourself personally. And um, how did you make that connection? Well, you know, I, as, as a professional ballet dancer, you know, especially back then we were required to be extremely lean and my body naturally didn't want to be that way. So it was always a push for me to get there. 
And as a result, I followed everything that I thought was true and what my ballet instructors told me to do, which was basically just eat less, eat mushrooms because they have zero calories in them. And then after the day of, you know, eight hours of dancing, go take a spin class and go lift weights. And so I, I understood the significance that the lack of nutrition played in my performance. And I really believe it was the cause of the end of my career before it should have been. I mean, I'm super glad it all worked out the way that it was supposed to. Um, mm. But I was just always injured. I had stress fractures in my feet all the time. I had a pretty significant mm. stress fracture in my low back. I mean, mm -hmm. I had female athlete triad, um, you know, amenorrhea, um, bone density issues. And I just was starving myself to reach the goals that I never was able to reach. So that's how I came into it. I came into it on the opposite track of understanding um, what good nutrition could have done for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you experienced the result of, um, the lack of thereof and, mm -hmm. and it's, we, I think, especially coming from a, an athlete's perspective. So, um, I, I can, I resonate a lot with what you're talking about and especially also for being a woman. I think mm -hmm. that there is this expectation, um, with women specifically that, you know, isn't always necessarily in alignment with where our health is. Um, mm -hmm. but you mentioned amenorrhea, which is, which is a very real thing, right? Which is just an indication of something that, um, you know, that our body is trying to say to us, like, this mm -hmm. is not that we're not getting what we need. Right. We're not getting what we need. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so how long did it take for you to do the deep dive? Like, were you already in school? Had you like, were you dancing and also going to school or what, mm -hmm. what pushed yeah, you? Yeah. So I trained in ballet since I was a very young girl. And then I went to boarding school for it in high school. And that's when um, it was a, a great push for my career and the sport, but where I probably started to really push back or pull back on my nutrition and, and try to achieve some goals that just weren't feasible for my body. Um, mm -hmm. I then did my undergrad in ballet performance. That was a great time and place in my life, but I was always struggling with achieving the body that I, I needed. Mm -hmm. And so I was always interested and always learning just for my own sake of, you know, what should I be doing to achieve these goals? But it was just always met with frustration and failure. And then I danced with a few professional ballet companies and continued to just be really involved in nutrition. But I was following all of the conventional wisdom of, mm. like I said before, eat less, move more. I avoided red meat. I ate chicken without the skin. I mean, I remember binging on like cheddar rice puffs from Costco and eating the whole bag, but it was okay because they were pretty fat free. I went on a period of time where I swear I only existed off of candy corn and I ate so much <laughs> of the candy corn that my throat was like ass. I mean, it just burned because that's all I ate, but it was fat free, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially back then, you know, it, fat was really bad. And if you ate fat, you'd get fat. If you ate red meat, you would have high cholesterol. I never even knew how to cook red meat back then. I mean, I never, mm -hmm. ever bought it. And I just pulled up my um, lipid panel from when I was in college and I was young and eating what I thought was okay. And um, still not like a ton of, I mean, except for the candy corn. I, I, I knew sugar wasn't ideal. So I wasn't eating a ton of that. 
in general, except for that. <laughs> um, but like I had high cholesterol, I was pre-diabetic. I mean, my numbers were not good and I was exercising like crazy and, you know, stress management, all the things that dancers are supposed to do, but I was not in a healthy place. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it actually took me being so injured. Um, I landed in the ER when I was chosen to perform up in New York, you know, every dancer's dream once in a lifetime performances. And I was in the hospital thinking like I was having a heart attack. I had no idea what was going on. And after a whole bunch of tests, the doctors just said, you know, you're underfed, you're over-exercised. I was still not super lean. Like when you looked at me, you wouldn't think, oh my gosh, she's doing something wild. Um, but my body just couldn't handle it. And so at that point, I just had to step back and decide what I was going to do with my life. So that was a hard time because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew how nutrition significantly or lack thereof impacted my sport performance. I knew, um, how I really wanted to help other people, um, just feel better about themselves and be able to do what they wanted to do because I felt like I was confined, like I was restricted from doing what I could have achieved. And I hate that feeling. Um, and so I just knew that I, I needed that. And my husband at the time had decided to go from being a professional ballet dancer to med school. And I knew that for me, I just, um, my heart can't take seeing really sick people. I just, mm. I, I, like the hospital setting for me, it just wasn't a place that um, would have been good for me. And I, I wouldn't have been able to serve people. And so I, I knew I wanted to be on the preventive side of care. Mm. So all that just led me to, to, I started getting my master's in sports nutrition and chronic disease. And then wanted to go further. So I fast-tracked into earning my PhD and it was a lot of fun. My advisor was so great and um, loved ballet dancers. Her sister was a dancer herself, which is why I think I was able to work in this laboratory. And she was so great and helped me really study, you know, what happens when we chronically diet? What happens to our metabolism when we chronically under eat? And how do we get it back? And then also understanding that it's just not the science of when and what to eat, but it's also how we think and feel. And so I studied a lot of behavioral work and mm. integrated the two of them together, not knowing that I was going to create a weight loss program at all. Had yeah. no, I thought I would open a wellness center, maybe a few dance studios. I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I, that was still in my mind. Yeah. Um, never, never thinking that I would get into weight loss at all, but I just wanted to understand what happens to our bodies and how can I help people um, achieve what they want and find their true self without suffering like I did. Oh my gosh. I, I love the catalyst to your mission. Um, and your heart just kind of speaks in the essence of who you are, speaks through your entire experience that you just shared. Um, I pulling out one part of what you just said that I think is important is that everyone is, has their own needs, right? Their own core needs. Um, and a lot of what even science may prove isn't necessarily what we need. So for instance, for me, um, I went through the same kind of situation when I was younger, um, experienced eating disorders and so on and so forth. And so I, I had a lot of metabolic challenges and, and autoimmune issues and which also like lend themselves into, um, you know, uh, hormones and weight and all of that stuff. Right. And so 
um, even though I might've presented as healthy, kind of like you, I felt really ill. And so then I would just like abandon all of the things because it didn't work. And then I'd boomerang to the other side. And then I would go to the systems and the institutions that were meant to help me lose weight. Right. Um, without naming any names, but you know, the names that we all know, and I would go in and because the programs were not addressing the thing at the root level. And so for me, one of the things at the root level was the fact that I had celiac disease. Oh, yeah. And so having something that was super low fat, um, high carb, low protein was yeah. making me sicker. Right. And, um, and then the whole shame cycle started with just like, well, what are you doing? You're not following the program, da, 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 right? Because like, it couldn't be that this just isn't meant for me. It must be that you're not doing it correctly or there's something wrong with you. And um, so what I'm hearing you say is that it's not even just about like creating, like, here's my thing in a box. And so you need to just kind of come in and conform to the box. What I'm hearing you say is you've created a whole way of addressing um, ways to release things that are unhealthy for you and to add into your life that are going to fulfill and nourish you yes. on all of the different levels. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that that's exactly right, Sharon. <laughs> I just, I love that so much. And so I, you know, I have to say because of my own history um, and also because of who I work with and who I treat that I'm not, uh, I'm not a real fan of the whole like weight loss movement, right? Because I think that we really lose sight of our own holistic health in that sometimes, mm -hmm. depending upon how we really apply it. Um, but one of the things that really drew me into wanting to have you come is, is, is this whole foundation that you have. Um, and your, your mindset of dispelling some of the things that we've been taught that really aren't true. So can you share a little bit more about that and just some, some general factual information that, you know, you had mentioned like red meat, you mentioned like certain things. So, sure. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do think, you know, well, it's not about weight loss. It's about finding our optimal health. And right now, 88% of us are metabolically unwell. So we, we have to focus on our health and we don't have to call it weight loss. Um, you know, but if we can't, it's, I, I think it's all about getting into alignment and, um, holding on to excess weight that's not serving us. That's not allowing our body to function the way that it wants to is a component of it. I think if yeah. we don't think about the body and the shape and, allowing it to work the way that it's supposed to, then we're missing a big pillar of, of achieving overall health. So I, I know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from too. And I don't, I know we're PhD weight loss is the name of our business, but I actually, <laughs> we were PhD advanced nutrition and nutrition is a hard word to spell and people can't hear the ED on the end of advanced. So we're like, you know what? We're proud that we help people drop the excess weight that's holding them back. And we're just going to say what we do and we do it really right. well in a very holistic way. Yeah. And so with that being said, I do think it's important. We understand that science is, is huge. It's a big deal. And it's so helpful. So I'm not discounting that, but sometimes science is a little bit restrictive. 
Mm-hmm. So even when it comes across in a study, I, I, I think really, you know, does that really make sense or yeah. who's that funded by, or you know, mm-hmm. what, what is the goal behind this study? Great questions to ask. Um, yeah. So I find that a lot of things we're told to do, sometimes we need to actually do the complete opposite, like more mm-hmm. often than not. So I think being, um, open to questioning, being curious mm-hmm. all the time about maybe what someone tells you to do and really mm-hmm. think about if it's, it's, if it's serving you best because you are your unique self. And um, so I've done that and that's kind of how I put PhD together. So when they said, well, you just need to, you know, eat less and move more. I'm like, hmm. I mean, I was eating not very much and moving a lot and I still was struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, and couldn't get where I needed to be. So perhaps it's a little bit more complicated than that. And if you really Mm -hmm. look at the research, you find that severe calorie restriction is not good for the body. Mm -hmm. It shuts down the metabolism. Um, a a study looking at the biggest loser, which is that reality TV show, you know, came out a few years ago and it looked at their metabolism and uh, their metabolism dropped by about 800 calories a day, which is a, a big amount. And um, they looked at that a year later and the metabolism was still depressed by 800 calories a day. So it, it did not climb back up. Wow. So you can do some, some pretty good damage if you chronically undereat and overexercise. So um, the next myth that it often goes alongside with it is that you just need to um, exercise more. But when you really look at the research behind um, exercise, you know, you would have to cycle about a thousand miles to burn 10 pounds of body fat. You know, it's just, it's just wild. And those, those calorie trackers on the elliptical machine, they're really not accurate. Uh, exercise is a huge appetite stimulator for some people. If you talk to some people, they're like, oh my gosh, if I do CrossFit or orange theory mm-hmm. or whatever, they're all good, but like I'm starving after, and I cannot control myself. I know, you know, after I got out of ballet, I needed to find another way to just wreck my body and (laughs) and work it really hard. So I went into road cycling and I would cycle, you know, 250 miles a week and um, train for these hard races. And I was fast and I was, I probably put on 15, 20 pounds and it was not muscle. There was fat there because my body was just like, what the heck is she doing? I need to hold on to these calories. Trying to survive. Yeah, it was just so inflamed and Mm -hmm. I was, uh, did not feel good there either. So um, I put myself in states all the time (laughs) (laughs) to challenge my body. Yeah, Um, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, totally relate to that. I think a lot of people can. Mm -hmm. So, you know, movement exercise is is important, but I always tell our clients that you you do it because it feels good. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. when clients come into us, they're not feeling good. They've got mm. a lot of excess weight, they're inflamed, their joints hurt. And they're like, I can't lose any weight. And my doctor's saying that I need to lose weight to get this knee surgery and their knees killing them. Like th- that's the last thing they're going to do is go out and exercise. They just right. can't. Right. Some and can't. So, no, they can't. And that's okay. So what we work to do is reduce the inflammation, get some of that excess pressure off the joints. And then naturally within about eight to 10 weeks, I find most people are like, okay, so what can I do here? How can I move? And I'm like, well, what's, what seems like it feel good? Everyone's really different. So let's do it because it feels good. And because it's fun. 
and that you find when your body's working the way that's supposed to, it wants to move. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're supposed to move. And so that's what we want to do is get the body back into its natural state. So if you feel like you're pushing exercise and you're forcing it, it's probably a sign that you're not doing the right type or you're doing too much, or you've got to get your body somewhere else first. And then the body should direct and guide you in, in that type of movement. So that's oh, the deal on X. Oh, I love the deal on that. <laughs> That's a good deal. I also think that like to insert, to add to all of this is that, um, you know, it's all about the nuanced understanding of things. And it, that nuanced understanding has to come from you really building self-trust. And yes. so um, when you go, when when somebody gets to that point where they ask for help, and coming from like a trauma lens, um, many people who have experienced a lot of traumatic experiences in their lives wait a really long time before they ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. That's a very big challenge for people. So when usually we get to the point that we need to ask for help, we're really not in a good way at all yeah. and not in a good space. And mm-hmm. so the automatic assumption many times is from a practitioner's lens. So I think we're also helping to raise really good, effective, healthy practitioners also in all of this, Mm -hmm. Um, that from a practitioner's lens, we really have to look at, we have to believe that everybody really does do more than what they can even articulate to try Mm -hmm. and help their situation. And um, that these catchphrases of like, you know, no pain, no gain, or work through the pain, or, you know, embrace the suck, or all of those things are sometimes counterproductive. And we have to understand the nuance of what pain and stress, distress tolerance really means. Um, So there's, do do you speak to that in your program? How much do you? Yeah, I mean, it should, for us, it should feel good. But there also is a level of commitment to yourself and integrity to yourself that you must maintain because the best program on earth doesn't work unless you work it. So (laughs) it's finding that balance of like, if you say you want this Mm -hmm. and you want to do it, you do have to pay your dues. Now the dues don't have to be pain or suffering. I'm not saying that, but it might be uncomfortable to create change. It might not feel like you want to do it. It might not necessarily feel good. So you can't wait until you're like, okay, I feel good about this. This feet like, you know, um, motivated. I'm going to wait until I'm motivated to do it. And then it's going to work. Yeah. Right. No, that's not the case. So, (laughs) so yeah, I don't think, you know, it's not about grinding through it and being in pain. That's not true, but it is about having integrity to yourself that if you set out a promise that gosh darn it, I'm going to do this, that you follow through and, and you remain committed and you do the work and you pay your dues in that way so that you can be victorious. Because I think otherwise um, you can quit silently on yourself. Mm. You know, you, yeah. you, um, you can give up and give them in if your heart's not into it. And when you do that to yourself, um, you're settling for less and you're not going to be able to trust yourself to, to follow through with what you've promised yourself you want, if that makes sense. Oh my God, that was prophetic. 
there's a lot of deeper meaning in all of that. I think that our our listeners, our community would love to hear more about like, what does it look like to quit on yourself? Because I think that sometimes like we get into this position where we don't even realize that we have because mm-hmm. we surrender, we become, we're just like, okay, well, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe I shouldn't be going rogue here against <laughs> whatever it is or um, what, what is it? What is, what is your experience in like silently quitting on yourself? Mm-hmm. Like what you've seen that, in your practitioners? Yeah. It's losing the faith, confidence, and belief in yourself that you can mm. do it. Um, and when you do that, um, it's, it's like that quiet quit right? It's just, um, you, you give up on yourself, even if you're still, you know, following through with the tasks, maybe, you know, writing down what you're eating, but, but if you've lost that faith, confidence, and belief in yourself that you can do it, then, um, then you're, you're giving up on yourself and you're not going to see success. So it's just maintaining the belief. I know that I just said that, but the belief in yourself that, that you can do it. And even if maybe one program is not working for you, then you keep going and you find the next solution, just like you did. Like you just cannot give in and give up. You've got to keep pushing through. And so that's, that's what I mean. I think that is a good way to think about it is that if it's, if it's just not working, it's painful, it's making you sicker then thinking that it's it's not you, but you keep going. You find the next solution. You've learned from that, I believe, that will have some part of your foundation, but you just need another resource then. You need more practice. You need more support. You need more accountability. That's what I tell our you know folks. I think weight loss is um, a bit of an addiction recovery process for a lot of people. And so mm. the majority of people do really well with us. Um, maintenance is for free. It's for life. We never leave our client's side. So if they do the work, they check in, then our clients will maintain that weight loss. Um, but if they don't, if they lose track of that and, and they happen to relapse a little bit, I always say that that's okay. A relapse is okay in whatever weight loss or health or whatever, but all it, it means is that you get back up on the horse and you practice. And with more practice and more awareness and more maturity in the process, then those relapses are going to reduce in severity and frequency. So it's just all a part of it. You just can't give up on yourself. You just can't, can't quit. Right. And it doesn't have to be measured in these grand sweeps of, you know, change, right? It's in the micro, it's in the micro, it's in that Mm -hmm. consistency. And it's in that taking every, every step of the journey and taking your eye off of the number and putting creating your a third eye into the sense of selfness, right? Like of just, you know, I know, I believe that I'm going to get where our, my ultimate and ideal health is going to be. I don't know exactly the, the measures that it's going to go, but I'm going to surrender to the process and I'm going to constantly check in with myself along the way. And um, it's those self check-ins that I think are the most profound because then that's where you find where some of those barriers are that, while um, maybe even in your um, container, you may not be able to help with that particular roadblock or stumbling block mm-hmm. or barrier. 
mm-hmm. had you, had they not been in surrendering to the process, right. And being consistent to show up and, and to, to greeting all sense of self, then they would never would have found that. That's right. Yeah. That next step would have still been hidden. Right. It reminds me, I just um, was chatting with one of our clients and she owns um, a hair salon in Asheville. And she was saying, it's not about the number and, and she's dropped a significant amount of weight. She's like, to me, it has nothing about to do about the number. It has to do about the feeling, the mm-hmm. feeling that I have in my body, the feeling that I have in my relationship. She actually broke out in tears saying how, how different and deeper her relationship has been with her husband and how before when she would get home, she was just so tired and in so much pain, all she could do is lay on the couch and not be able to interact and help her kids when they got home from school. I mean, think about the quality of life and the quality of relationships that that impacts. Mm-hmm. And so first she, she also has had to do the work. She's like, I, I did get a therapist because I had no idea that there was this underlying mm-hmm. multiple things that I had to work with. I, she's like, I had no idea I'd have to do the deep work. And that's not for everyone. Some people can just pop in and you know, that, that wasn't a component of it. There was something right. else. But, but I always say that dropping weight is a process of letting go. It's letting go of the excess fat weight, but also the emotions that are tied to it. And very rarely is this excess weight not deeply rooted with emotions and feelings that you also need to work through. So mm-hmm. I think part of it is just being ready and knowing that when you're, when you're starting up, when you're signing up for this, um, it's not just changing your shape. It's changing mm-hmm your emotions and your feelings and releasing a lot of things that it's tied to. Mm -hmm. Right. You're normal. And, and so knowing that we're energetic beings and every single thing that is alive, that's a living cell has its own energy and energetic fingerprint. That means that, um, the representation of whatever those conflicts are, are showing up sometimes in, you know, in fat. And so when we lose Mm -hmm. that, um, our nervous systems can actually go, Oh, Oh, that's scary. Right. Like, right. and we don't even, we don't even know what's going on. Mm-mm. Um, and, but then we find ourselves going back, right. And just, yeah. or holding on or not wanting to let go. So that, that letting go process it, it one feeds the other in a positive loop as opposed to a negative loop. Right. Um, so we, you, you had mentioned this earlier and the, the negative aspect of continuing to do something right. Um, that doesn't serve you, um, and continuing to do it because we either lack free will over it or because we're, we're, we're looking to someone or something outside of ourselves to be the master of who we are. Right. So for you, you were like, there's just something not right about the way this is going for me. Right. (laughs) Like, I know that this person who I look up to, who has like the key to the city, as far as my success and my career and my dreams. Right. And they're just saying like, you just need to, you just need to be a little stronger. You just need to be a little bit more restrictive. You just need to work a little harder. You just need. And so you're really taking all of that in like, okay, well, you're my wise counsel here. Right. But the mm-hmm. wisest one that knows is the, our, what's going on inside of us. And the fact that you, that, that takes a, that takes it. And I know it didn't happen exactly the way you wanted it to. And the fact mm-hmm. that you didn't mitigate some of the, the negative stuff that happened to you, but 
that takes a lot of strength and guts to, to change course mm -hmm. and pivot. Um, mm -hmm. just because there's something inside of you, even though you're surrounded with everyone and everything that's saying it, it, this is what you should be doing, right? That's a very challenging thing. So I want to acknowledge that, but mm -hmm. what we tend to do in these situations. And so we could look at it from, from all of these different models, Western medicine, which I think is very important and we need it with, um, even therapy or weight loss programs or whatever it might be, um, that if we're can if we're doing this and it's causing an increased amount of stress to us where there is a negative effect on the other side of mm -hmm. the um the stress and the pain and the discomfort that is letting us know that it's not an alignment right mm -hmm. um right. and distress tolerance though which is different which is like moving through those stages of change allowing ourselves the discomfort of that change and having a positive effect for us on the other side. Yeah. Right. Um, so it sounds like your program and your staff, cause you have, how many people do you have now within your organization? Yeah, we have, we have now over 60 team members, which is, That's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, Hey, by the way, did we also mention that you're like an incredible entrepreneur and businessman? <laughs> like it's just, it's, come on. Like this is, so that's a whole other layer to, to how you're serving because you're also serving as a, uh, a role model to individuals, especially people who are identify as women, um, in, in, in a very kind of masculine dominated arena. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I also just want to say like, that is pretty incredible. So 60, team members that you have, they're all informed on these nuances, right? And how to be able to guide someone yes. who is at that crossroads of like, I'm not sure if this is what I'm feeling here. And if, is this intuition or is this like, mm -hmm. you know, am I fighting old, you know, old yeah. I mean, we, we are here to support people, hold them accountable and in a sense, like be their cheerleaders that, that they can do it if they want to, you can do this. And and um, if they need additional support, or if it's not the right program for them, then we, of course, support them in, and help them find what is. Um, but most people, when they enter in, you know, they're at threshold, like you said. Mm -hmm. they, they know that they cannot continue the way that they've been, and they are just ready. Mm -hmm. and, and I always tell people that they, and this goes for any, any program, but for, for us, I just had a, a lady today be like, well, I just want to try two weeks. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> right. You, can't you cannot enter into something with a try it mentality. Yeah. I think when you use the word try subconsciously, it allows your subconscious to be like, okay, well, it's okay if it doesn't work. And if you say that it's not going to work, it's like going into, I think, um, I don't know, a party and be like, I might have a glass of wine. Well, 99% chance if you say you might, you're going to have a glass of wine. Right. You know? might have a cookie that gives you an open to, to have it. And that's fine. That, mm -hmm. You know, but if you come into something, you say, I think I'm just going to try it for two weeks. I, I would say I'd rather you not because I know it's not going to be successful. Right. Because then um, it's a, it's a, we, we already know that as practitioners, there is a, a, a proving ground of like developing relationship. And, um, but when somebody is putting you automatically on the prove it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, landscape and also their, their 
they're creating that same repatterning of um, things that they probably have done prior mm-hmm. to walking in front of you, right? Which is just like the best thing that you can say is no. Yeah. No, this is not the way it works, right? Like the way that it works is that you believe that there is something outside of what you know mm-hmm. that can help you and that we're going to be the ones that are going to walk alongside of you. Um, so part of what your work is right now is to believe in yourself. That's right. Yeah. Belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, I was chatting to a lady who's dropped over a hundred pounds with us. And I was like, just tell me what your, your thought was. She's like, I just knew this had to work. It had to, I had to put the faith in, in you all and myself that this was going to save my life. And she did it. And it was, I'm not going to say at, at all effortless, but it was, it was just like in a flow state. It flowed mm-hmm. for her. It wasn't like she was always struggling against herself. She just opened, I believe she opened her heart and she let it flow and mm-hmm. she expected a miracle to happen and it did for her. So it really, really, um, you know, your mindset and how you go into something really determines the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But you help with that mindset as well. Oh yeah. I mean, I think 80% of any change comes from the mind. So what yeah. we do, I mean, this, the science of what, when, and, and how to eat is there, but it's actually the smaller component. Um, looking at each person as an individual and the habits, behaviors, the mental and emotional, the mindset, all of that is a a huge component of what we do. And we have different modalities, you know, that, that help, like, um, we have behavior modification audios that folks listen to that have binaural beats that, you know, work to kind of retrain the neural pathways in the brain. We have Lots of um, live stream learning webinars from um, one of my dearest colleagues who has her PhD in psychology, Dr. Feinerman. And she's actually like next week is talking on creating a new identity and how to accept yourself in this new shape. Because that's mm-hmm. another thing, you know, if we're dropping significant weight or, you know, even maybe 20, 30 pounds, being okay with your new shape. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, especially with significant weight loss, are like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. And like, I can feel my ribs. Like, is that healthy? You know, do I like this? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is coming into yourself and, and learning how to be comfortable with this new shape, this new identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's so much stuff that we get to work through. That's really exciting and transformative. Yeah. That's the word that just keeps coming to mind is transformative, right? You're creating such an amazing change, life-changing change for, for people. Um, Coming to the end of our conversation, but I wanted to ask you about your idea of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the, the first thing to have intuitive eating is we need to understand the impact that fat actually has on our body body metabolically. So I'll try to be as speedy as possible, but basically this belly fat, it's called visceral fat. This belly fat gets in our, our bodies for one reason or another, we start to accumulate it. And after some time, um, the fat cells in the belly actually grow its own blood vessels it gets a little oxygen supply in there. And at some point, these fat cells in the belly become active. Mm -hmm. 
and they secrete all of their own hormones. And we don't really realize that. Um, it's kind of like a tumor in a way that all it wants to do is get fatter as fast as possible. So it's like this thing in there. And it secretes hormones that make you hungry, that make you crave, where there's no willpower in the world that's going to overcome those cravings. Mm-hmm. It slows your metabolism. So you really don't have to eat that much and you witness continued weight gain. That's why the calories in, calories out thing doesn't make sense. I'll sit with people and they're carrying 60 pounds and they tell me how much they eat in the day. And it does not equate to 60 pounds of excess fat weight. Like there's something mm-hmm. metabolically that is supporting continued fat growth in there. Mm-hmm. And then the hormones also, and the fat mass makes you lazy because the last thing it wants you to do is go expend a ton of calories. Like that's not serving its objective of growing. Right. And so if you've got this fat mass, this especially a significant fat mass in the belly, it's very hard to eat intuitively because it's directing the way that you're eating. Mm-hmm. Right? It's going to make you crave. It's going to make you more likely to overeat. It's going to, it really likes carby, sugary foods because that's the foods that feed it most easily and most effortlessly. And so I just want people to understand that the weight gain isn't your fault. It has nothing to do with you. It's not a lack of willpower or poor discipline. It's all hormonally driven by this thing that just wants to grow and is creating this hormonal pool in your body that just helps to support weight gain. So I would say that a good first step is is really trying to get the body where it needs to be so that you can trust it, so that it can start talking to you in a way where you can listen to it. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes when we're not in this, this optimal place, we can't trust what it says. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. really, really hard to eat intuitively when the body and the hormone profile is just all screwed. Yeah, right. Screwed. Yeah. Um, so yeah. once we can get the body operating the way that it's supposed to, we don't have this fat mass in there that's just off on its own, then you can hear when you're hungry. You can hear when you're full. You can trust your heart in what it's saying is going to be good for your body and when it's not. But when we're in the state, otherwise, it's just very, very hard to listen. Yes. Hormones play such a significant role, right? And like our bodies are so infinitely wise. And in this case, the visceral fat. So visceral fat is, it presents differently, right? So visceral fat actually like places itself around the organs Right. Um, in our body, as opposed to kind of like the, you know, pinch an inch kind of a thing, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> we, used to go by. we don't really care about that fat. We care about the stuff that's in and around the organs. That's right. 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 And that's the thing that I think that people don't really understand that there is a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so to, to work towards a tuning and, and addressing the drivers behind the visceral fat mm-hmm. is really super important. So I hear a lot of times because I, I am a fan of, of, um, developing our intuition on yeah. all different levels. Right. And it, there are so many different ways that we can miswire, um, intuition and something else, some other signal. I know it is tricky. It's, it can be very tricky. It can be very, very tricky. So, um, I think specifically with regard to eating, um, I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm really craving, you know, sour cream and onion potato chips. So like, I'm going to follow that craving. 
That's the fat mass. That's not her intuition. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So the so the person is really thinking that they're honoring their intuition and that's the most important thing that they need to do. And it's true. Like we all are naturally intuitive beings, but what's mm -hmm. happened is, is that like, there have been these things that are falsely programmed within us and they show up in different ways. Right. And so in this case, it's through visceral fat, which is like so infinitely wise that it actually creates its own ecosystem, right? Yeah. <laughs> and control mm -hmm. more things. So, so there are steps to getting to that point of yeah. intuition and I, I only wanted to highlight that piece. And I know you do too, that because everything is perfect in how it happens regardless, yet mm -hmm. we can also mitigate some potential health issues and serious disease That's by right. educating and informing um, the steps. There's steps, there's a process, right? Just like anything else, there's a process to get ourselves ready to get to that state. Right. Mm -hmm. And it takes as long as it takes. And we don't get to determine how long that is because we want it to happen in a certain kind of time because I'm going to, you know, Punta Cana in, you know, January. <laughs> so like it's just it doesn't happen that way. So, mm -hmm. but there are steps to get to that point where then we can really get into that flow state of like truly being in tune with our vessel and our vessel and its signals really truly being that's right, the essence of what it's meant to be. Um, mm -hmm. for our truest and highest state of self and health, right? Yes. That's yep. so important. And I love the fact that you as a practitioner and also as somebody who has created this entire model and who is directing all of your beautiful staff and then the ripple effect of it going out into other individuals who you're serving. I love the fact that you're informed on that and also you're in the active practice of that every single day, because mm -hmm. that is a game changer in my opinion. And that's one of the reasons again, why I was thrilled to have you come. Mm -hmm. Um, because I just think that like, this is how we, we, when we do things well, we can be well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think also understanding that it's okay if it, it comes in, in different, um, levels than you would expect. I don't know if level is the right word, but I've worked with many people who are, you know, just spiritual guides, like in this area and they, you know, they have been touched. Like they are just great at what they do. They, they understand bigger aspects of where we come from than I do. And they still are seeking support to get their body where it needs to be. Like, you know, hundred percent. Um, yeah, you can be the most enlightened being is where I'm getting at. And and the, you you still want the body to to be there and, and get in flow state too. And and so, you know, many people have have come to me after that fact they're like, "Okay, I'm ready to release that this that's on my body now. Like mm -hmm. this just isn't a part of me anymore. It served its purpose, mm -hmm. but I need some support in getting that there." So, I think even if like you are a very enlightened person, you know, but you're still, your body's not where you want it to be. It's okay to ask for support. It's, it's not like you failed at something. Yeah. It's just the next step in, mm -hmm. in your process. Yeah. We can shorten the cycle. We can collapse time. If we just mm -hmm. realize that, you know, we're, we're more self-aware and we cannot be self-criticizing, um, and continuing to perpetuate that self-destructive thinking pattern on ourselves that hasn't served us well all of our lives. And you can just say, you know, like 
we're all living beings, right? And to live means to change constantly. And so what we might've mastered, you know, um, for ourselves at one season or stage, or even multiple seasons or stages of our lives, at some point that may change. And especially mm-hmm. for women, I mean, women, you know, we're so prepared on in the younger years to understand like menstruation and how that affects us and, you know, um, and procreation, but we're not necessarily prepared. I think for one of the greatest changes of our lives, which is menopause. Yes. And how it affects us <laughs> on so many different levels. Yeah. And so I think that um, all of those things come into play, especially like the visceral fat and all of those other things come into play, right? Where right. Um, we, we, we cannot be the experts on something that we've, you know, not really had a lot of wise counsel on and we don't really understand. And there are so many different things on such a small and like infinitesimal level that are in, in play. that are creating some of these levels of discord within us, right? Lucky us, we get to learn how to manage all of these different versions of ourselves. (laughs) Right, yeah, and we get to do it together. And we get to do it together. Yeah. Right? So Mm -hmm. there's no like, I have to be smaller uh, or I, I, I fear that somebody's gonna look at me as though I'm less than just because I'm asking for help in an area that like, it's not my jam. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only reason it's my jam, like, you know, potentially is the fact that I'm living it. Right. But other than that, right. like it's, um, so, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, from a trauma perspective, many times we just think that we need to be the experts on everything and, mm-hmm. and, um, and we can dispel that myth. And, and I think that that's what we're, that's what we're looking to do now. So yeah, yeah. Ashley, I I'm, just love this conversation. I'm so grateful that you came and I can't wait to have another conversation with you again. I I want you to come back. I'm sure that we're going to have a lot of questions. Um, I know that you do have, um, an Instagram account and you have a Mm -hmm. website, um, and we're going to put those in the the show notes so people can reach you. Um, and I know you're very responsive as well at answering questions and whatever. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to share as far as resources or anything for our community? Sure. Um, My book is available on the website, which is a great resource. And we pay for the book. It would just be covering shipping and handling. And so the website is myphdweightloss.com. And my book is Five Steps to Reset the Scale. And we've got, you know, lots of great content on there as well. And we try to always provide helpful content on social media, I just want to always add, uh, you know, add value and support because I know there are so many misconceptions out there when it comes to nutrition. So anything I can do, any questions that you have, I'd love to answer. That's amazing. And so basically people want your book. They just have to go to your website Mm -hmm. through your website. Right. Um, right. And then, you know, sign up to be able to just pay for the shipping and then the book comes to them for at no cost other than the shipping costs. That's such an incredible value. And um, I really think that that's an amazing offer and value to people. And I agree, like what you share, um, I have saved so many of your charts <laughs> oh, good. on your Instagram, just they think there's such great tools and resources to give a visual to my clients, right. Or even just for myself, like, Oh, wait, mm-hmm. what are nightshades again? What are all the nightshades, you know, like <laughs> whatever it might be. Right. So, um, so yeah, I just think it's, you're, you're providing such a wonderful and valuable resource, um, in so many different ways, um, 
But I love the fact that you're really addressing things on so many different levels in your program and you're, you're so informed and, um, and you're spreading, you're spreading a whole new, um, positive way for people to be able to release what isn't serving them. And in this case, it's really with regard to our physical weight. So that's right. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I was honored to be on here. It was a great conversation. Good. Excellent. Well, thank you again. And everybody, thanks for listening. Please make sure that if you like this conversation, this is the first time you're coming to our podcast to like and subscribe and leave a rating or a review if you would like to, if you feel called to. And in the meanwhile, we look forward to seeing you next time in our podcast and be at peace and be well. Oh.